Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast. Great to have you here. You're going to learn three key things from this podcast. One is how to pick the right MarTech products is 9,400 according to the guest. So you'll learn how to pick the right ones for you. The second is some MarTech that you should be using that you've probably never heard of because he is absolutely cutting edge. And the third thing is the future of MarTech and the role that marketplaces will play. And it's very important for you if you're selling SaaS or selling MarTech that you hear what he has to say. So welcome. And if it's your first time, great to have you here. If you love what you hear or see, please subscribe. And if you're a regular, always love those reviews. Now, there will be uh, full notes that we take on the website, paulhigginsmentoring.com. But if you're taking notes, by all means, do that. And if you see me looking down, which I do quite a few times in this interview, it's because I'm taking notes to help you. So uh, that's what I'm doing and also, you can request a full transcript if needed. So I'd quickly like to thank the sponsors of the show. So one is the Cloud Consultants Collective. So it's a free Slack group where our peers are helping each other scale their cloud consulting business. You can just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash CCC for that. All the links will be in the show notes. And the other one is LeadJet. So if you're tired of manually taking data from LinkedIn into your sales CRM, LeadJet.io is going to solve that for you. And you can find out more at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash LeadJet. So today's guest is an award-winning entrepreneur. They were formerly head of Kiss Metrics, which we talk a little bit about. And also they were head of growth at Coal um, code School, which is now under the uh, plural site banner. They're one of the original growth hackers. They're a godfather of MarTech and marketing tools. And this is definitely one not to miss. So what I'll do now is hand you over to Dan Magar from magar.io. Dan, uh, great to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to do this. Yes, yeah, same here, same here. So uh, why don't we kick off with, uh, you know, who's your ideal clients um, that you'd yeah. love to work with? Yeah, so I mean, we typically are focused on companies that are between basically 50 million and 5 billion in revenue. Uh, we have a preference towards, of course, technology companies, but an easy qualifier for us is basically you're spending more than $2,500 a month on your marketing technology or your tech stack. And that's kind of a general rule of thumb. But we're most typically targeting people that are VPs of marketing, VP of product, VP of ops, or even CEO founders. Our favorite people to really work with are the C-suite because they kind of push us down throughout the entire company. Uh, but we don't focus on an industry or a sector or anything like that. Um, we kind of think of our client portfolio like an investment portfolio. So we actually have our portfolio hedged through a couple different industries. So if something blows up, you know, like with what happened with COVID, yes, we lose a couple clients, but a couple other clients expand. So we really take that portfolio uh, look at our, our clients. So we don't we don't lean to any one industry per se. Right. And do you you know look at the uh, industries that are your growth? And then go and find companies, or is it just happens to be that you select when a company comes to you whether it's going to fit in your portfolio? 
Yeah, great. So we definitely target on companies that we see growth opportunities in, and then we change that based upon what's going on in macroeconomics and global economics and things like that. So I'll give you like an example, right? We see an upcoming recession or depression happening in the United States within the next two years, something that's going to be pretty dramatic. So we did a lot of research of what happened in the last depression. What were the products? What were the services? What were the things that still sold and were successful? And we're actually making the transition now to target those companies. And I'm not going to give away all of my secrets, but cheap luxuries, as they stated in the report about the depression, were the things that were very successful. So lotions, lipsticks, deodorants, face creams, things that could still be purchased by a woman for a dollar or two dollars. Don't get me wrong. This is the 1930s. But things that they could still afford to make themselves feel good. Because I think something that we forget about is that one of the four human drivers is that we have to acquire things. It's just genetically and evolution-wise, we have to do it. So we are now targeting those smaller companies. I shouldn't say smaller companies, but those smaller products um, and actually targeting them because we see them having a big boom next year or the year after that. So uh, we definitely do it forward thinking. Uh, and at the same time, we actually just let go of two clients in our portfolio because we see them actually having issues in the next 12 months. And we said, listen, we don't think we're the right partner to keep around for your growth. So we're going to uh, help you transition to somebody else. When in the back of the our minds, we are looking at how do we manage our portfolio so that way we don't ever have to lay anybody off. Because my one of my personal goals is to never have to lay anybody off. So that's the reason why we take the portfolio model so so seriously. Yeah, that's great. And um, so at the start, you talked about, you know, so two and a half thousand is rough uh, thumb for companies, you know, five to 50 billion. I in trouble here, Dan, because my tech stack's about, you know, uh, 1500 a month and I'm certainly not turning yeah. over those numbers like am I too addicted to technology you are not too addicted to technology <laughs> that is for sure because I probably spend that amount of money just on my personal tech for like my family and house so I could totally get it um but it adds up. I mean, it's crazy because yeah. sometimes people don't realize what's in their tech stack. And the tech stack is much bigger than what people realize. Um, so uh, it could definitely be probably more expensive than you think is what I would say. Yeah. And, and going back to those bigger companies, uh, setting my little company aside, what, uh, what are some of the key problems that you help them solve? Yeah, there's typically two primary problems that we solve. The first one is going to be you lack visibility in your customer journey, and you need to know what's going on in that customer journey. In the modern stack, seeing the customer journey has become very, very difficult because it's now spread across a bunch of tools, a bunch of platforms. So we really help them get that visibility through measurement and metrics. And then the second problem we solve is that while you can now see that customer journey, you maybe are not able to convert them as fast as you would like through that journey and get them to turn into revenue. So we also help with optimizing your funnel and making sure that now that you can see the customer journey, you can also convert people through that customer journey. Yeah, and then, you know, give me uh, the, the latest. So if I um, walked up to my, my dad, who is he's getting better, he can now use emojis in, in text messages, which is, you know, fantastic. So he's making a progression, right? But if, yeah. if I said to him, you know, what's a customer journey? You know, what, how, how would you explain it to someone like that? Yeah, I would, I would simply ask them, how does somebody buy your products or how have you bought a product in the past? And then what was the process you went through of actually buying that? That is going to be the general customer journey that you would have from the time that you're aware of something, from the time that you start doing your research to the time you buy, that's the journey. In some companies, it's super easy. Some companies, it's super long and a laborious. So like, it just depends on the company on what that customer journey is going to look like. Yeah, and and let's you know a lot of people you listening or watching now, uh, you know that you're selling technology, 
So you're, you know, let's say they're anywhere between a two to ten million dollar business, and yeah. um, you know, w- what's some of the stuff or the technologies that's available to mapping that customer journey for them that they may not be aware of? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing that people forget about, especially if you have a lot of of your funnel or customer journey online, a lot of people think of Google Analytics as a great analytics product, and it is. But in the modern day, it's kind of a little old. I mean, it's been around really, really long. Not a lot of updates happen. There's products out there like Hotjar or even Amplitude that make it so you can see your customer journey on your website much, much more uh, detailed, and then also know who's actually doing the actions on the site. So as an example, with Amplitude, it's a very, very popular tool. It's completely free for up to 10 million events per month. Events are basically the actions people take. And if you have a developer that can help instrument it, you can understand who's visiting your site, what they're doing on the site, every page they visit, and then actually see your customer journey visually, which is going to allow you to optimize and figure out how do you actually drive the business. Uh, And then Hotjar, like I mentioned, is not nearly as powerful as Amplitude from a reporting perspective, but you don't need a developer to really get started. As long as you can drop the JavaScript, you can build out some custom funnels, you can build out heat mapping, and as well as you can actually watch the sessions of users on your website, which is amazing. If you can actually see how users are using your website in a recording, that's the best thing that you can do. Uh, And Hotjar has that out of the box. Once you drop their JavaScript on your site, you can start recording those sessions. Fantastic. And and, you know, I've heard numbers quoted, and you'll be more specific than me, you know, 8,000 um, tech um, products now, you know, it keeps uh, growing. What are you, you know, is there going to be a consolidation or will it continue to grow? Just give me, give us a bit of an insight as to, you know, what we can expect from a tech stack moving forward. Yeah. So I think last uh, last study was like 9,400 tools. Okay. Um, I don't think that that number is going to go down. There's definitely going to be a lot of consolidation, especially over the next five years. As I mentioned, we do kind of see some sort of recession on the horizon. Um, that being said, you'll always see that consolidation. Big companies need to add revenue to be able to keep their stock price high. So they're going to acquire a company just to get its revenue. It's a very typical thing that happens. So you'll always see consolidation. But that being said, tools are now getting smaller and smaller. So that's the big difference is that they used to be big platforms like Salesforce or Marketo or anything like that. And you'll still see platforms like that. But where the growth in tools is coming today are in marketplace ecosystems like Shopify. Shopify, there is thousands and thousands of little micro tools that you plug into Shopify to do things. That is not going to slow down because you have additional marketplaces like HubSpot has their marketplace, Salesforce has their marketplace. Those marketplaces keep coming up. So if you look at the next hot and shiny company that is a platform, soon enough, they're going to have a marketplace where you can find other apps. And there's a lot of money to be made off of that. Um, And people sometimes underestimate that. But companies like Clavio and PostScript, they built their entire business on top of Shopify. So there's a lot of money to be made, even those little widgets. So you're going to still see growth, but you'll still see consolidation. Yeah, well, it's interesting, especially for, you know, you listening here is that, you know, I've heard, um, I think it was on a, a recent HubSpot. Um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Um, anyway, it'll come Scott to me. Scott Rinker? Yeah, Scott. There you go. Uh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, so Scott was saying that, um, you know, the marketplace marketplaces are going to take a lot of time off the, the, the you know, the SDRs, the salespeople that, you know, is obviously a massive cost in these vendors. They're saying, well, look, if if a small amount of technology can sell us into the platform, you know, that's a lot more effective way than having, you know, salespeople um, effectively uh, chasing people. Um, what What's your view on that? Is, 
you know, is, have you heard a similar thing? Do you believe this growth of the marketplace will actually take some of the pressure off the, the sales at the front end? Absolutely. And, I, you know, I'm sad to say that it's still taking this long to get here. Um, you know, free tools and small applications that you can have in these marketplaces are the best way to build trust and rapport and to not have to talk to a salesperson. Most buyers don't want to talk to sales. Uh, they want to just be able to test it, use it, get some ideas, test the different things. So I agree 100% with what Scott's uh, point is on that. And we actually have been doing that since the time we even started our company. Um, Magal.io was started seven years ago. In our first three months, we built a free Chrome extension for anybody to use. It was offered in the Chrome store. It was called the Effin Amazing UTM Builder. Um, and we got 500 leads a month from that product. And it brought us a ton of demand. Um, and the Chrome store is a great market. Marketplace. Don't get me wrong. We had to worry about SEO and getting it to rank and promoting it. Yeah. But it uh, literally grew out of that and is now a separate company. It's called UTM.io. It has, it's a separate company now, which is super cool. But it still drives us deals, right? So I'm all about free tools. And then we have right now, even at Magal.io, probably seven free products that people use all the time that are in marketplaces. And it makes it so when people come to us, they're like, can we pay you money compared to, can you convince me that you're valuable? I'd rather have the conversation of, can I pay you money than let me convince you that we're valuable. So I agree those those tools in the marketplace are a huge value add. Yeah, and uh, it'll be in the show notes, but just you, it's mcgaw.io. Yep. So uh, yes, we'll, we'll have that in all the, the links. But yeah, look, it's, um, uh, you know, I, I see um, Neil Patel, from the marketing school yeah. constantly talks about the fact that yes, um, you know, free tools is one of the best ways to attract uh, thing. So, yeah. so for Neil, someone, Neil's an adv- yeah, I actually replaced Neil at uh, his company, Kiss Metrics. So, like, I I, I know Neil very well. Uh, and Neil was one of the people uh, that turned me on to the free tool kind of situation. Um, so, I have to pay credit to Neil. I didn't come up with this. Uh, Neil gave me a great idea. Yeah, excellent. And uh, I should have known that with Chris Kissmetrics because I do follow Neil quite a bit. So uh, sorry for the being a bit lump, a bit lazy in, in, in that regard. So as far as um, you know, there's a lot of big vendors that sit behind these marketplaces, right? And uh, big SaaS companies. Do you see any consolidation in that that space? Like you know, I know that um, you know they buy smaller companies, but do you see any larger consolidation coming up? Especially as you said, if there's a recession and know, the uh, multiples become a little bit cheaper. Do you see any further consolidation at the top end of town? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think some of the big players right now, obviously with COVID, got acquired. Like Slack was definitely an easy company that was going to get acquired. Marketo, uh, that happened before the, the pandemic, but Marketo got acquired by Adobe. So you're going to keep seeing that. Uh, a good friend of mine's company, Frame.io, just got acquired for a couple billion by Adobe. So that's not going to slow down. I think the thing that's going to be really interesting over the next couple of years is trying to see which companies are going to be the big ticket that somebody else buys, right? So there's big products out there like Amplitude or even even mixed panel, big analytics packages. But the curiosity is, is how much is somebody willing to pay for that uh, and be able to acquire that company? But I definitely think it's on the table. I was I was really shocked last year when Segment got acquired by Twilio. It was for $3 billion. I thought Segment could have easily become a $50 billion company in its own right. Um, but you know, some people want that payday. So, but yeah, I think you're still going to see a ton of consolidation of these big companies. And I don't think that you're going to have to wait for a recession for that to actually happen. I think some of that's still going to be happening now because 
there's a lot of pressure on the stock market. People need to be able to show revenue. They need to show earnings. And they're not always always able to do it on their own. So that's where a lot of these big acquisitions come from. Um, so that's kind of how the way that I think about that model. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody's up for grabs at this point. It just depends on can you pay them enough money to give you the company? Yeah. And, and you know, you, you sort of mentioned, you know, there's 9,400 now, but wh- where do you sort of go to get some of the the cutting edge stuff? You know, where, where, where do you go that we probably don't, you know, like I'm AppSumo on Product Hunt. I actually stopped. Now my AppSumo account goes through my team. I say, only tell me the stuff that is really valuable because otherwise I just, you know, go down a rabbit hole and never come out. But, you know, where do yeah. you, someone, your expertise, where do you go and, and look for the future of, uh, of uh, MarTech. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but honestly, my inbox would be the first place that I look. I'm, <laughs> so I get what do you subscribe to then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, I'm constantly getting bombarded by people from companies, check out my product, look at my thing, whatever. So I just get a lot of that on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm like talking five, five messages a week about that. So I would have to say that I just get bombarded with it. But really, you know, the big areas that I'm looking at, I'm actually not trying to be on the cutting edge. So I'm just like you, Product Hunt, AppSumo, stuff like that. I think that's a great place. Reddit as well is another amazing place where you're going to hear things. Talking to other people, I think, is huge. So naturally talking to your constituents. Um, I launched my new podcast called The Stack in a couple of weeks. Um, So naturally, that's going to be a great place to learn about new tools and be able to get that stuff going. But I honestly try to stay away from new products. Um, honestly, you know, the amount of effort it takes to validate whether a product is good, the team is going to be good and all that stuff is just too much work. I'd rather wait for the market to say, okay, it seems like this product is successful. It's worked out its bugs. Um, and that, by that point, like it's, it's basically in a lot of different places. Um, so I really don't try to find new innovative tech all the time because in many cases, it's not successful. It's not ready to go. It's not going to be able to help you. And, I, and I'll use a company as an example. There's a company called Mutiny. It's a personalization product. It's an extremely awesome tool. However, in practice, it does not work nearly as much as you would hope it would. And then the integration process is extremely difficult. Now, they're still just getting going. They're a small company. Don't get me wrong. They, I think they're funded more than $10 million. But the product is just not good enough for us and for our clients. So we actually are like, hey, we're not that impressed. But that's one of the reasons why we don't try to focus on all the innovation because in many cases, it's going to let us down and it's going to waste our time. So we wait until something is a little bit more uh, serious and lack of a better way of saying it. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, with your ideal client, the big end of town, like you said, it's got to work perfectly. I think for me, I've been lucky that some of the products I found on AppSumo, which were, you know, free for a life, basically, or free for $39 uh, dollars have been fantastic. You know, like Book Like a Boss, um, you know, there's been several several tools that I've been lucky to get in on on the uh, the early part, and then they just continue to develop. So, you know, how do you look at you know, what are some of the metrics you look at when you're picking a, a tool? Like, you know, which ones do you think in a horse race, you know, you're, you're backing a horse, like how, how do you look at the form and know which ones are going to actually make it versus which ones uh, just won't continue to invest? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I definitely am always looking at new companies because I'm an investor as well. So I invest in these companies. Um, That being said, the first thing that I'm always going to look at uh, when I'm trying to pick a new tool is what does it integrate with? I'm always most interested in how it's going to integrate or play well with the rest of my stack and be able to actually work. Second to that, I start looking at the team that's working on it, the founding team. Who are they? What have they done? What have they been around in the past? Because it can be very easy to tell where a company is going to go based upon the previous companies that the leadership team has 
worked at. So that's always something that's very, very indicative for me. I look at what their data architecture is set up like. So a big thing that I focus on is I need to get data in, I need to get data out. So how do they structure their data? What is going to be that taxonomy? Uh, that is another really, really big component. And then of course, is this actually going to drive value? And I think the problem that I see with a lot of people, and I call it hype sauce, People listen to the hype sauce that's on the marketing and they're like, oh, it's going to do all these things. But then you find out it doesn't actually do those. So I try to really do analysis on like, how is this actually going to work compared to what they're selling me? So those would be the four main criteria. The last thing that I will mention, but I don't think everybody has to do this necessarily, is what is my team capable of? And I think most companies forget this. I'm a, I'm a professional services provider for uh, Segment CDP. And Segment is an amazing product, extremely technical. People buy it when they have no developers on their team. The marketing team has no technical expertise and they expect it to just work. You need to make sure if you're buying a tool that it's actually going to be able to be used by your team. And most companies just completely overlook that fact. And then they have to go hire some expensive consultant that they weren't planning to, to use it. Make sure the tool can be used by your team or budget in the consultant beforehand. Um, I just think that a lot of people kind of shoot themselves in the face that way. Yeah. And, and the, the last question in this section is around demos, right? Like, you know, I've sold a lot of uh, SaaS technology over my, my life and, you know, normally there's you know, a, a, a demos involved. You don't know when to give someone a demo. Are they fully qualified, et cetera? Like, where's it going? I've, I've seen one product, I can't remember the name of it now, where it was more like an on-platform demo. So it actually mm-hmm. spoke to you and took you through it as you as you went through, which once again, saves sales time, right? Have you seen any products in that vein or what do you think is happening? Because a lot of us listening and watching now spend a lot of time doing demos where we'd rather be doing other things. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think there's a fine line between when you need to do a demo and when you can automate it. It's really, really hard. And for me, I typically base that off of ticket price. If it's very, very expensive, very complicated, get on a call. If it's not that way, okay, great. You can use a, an interactive demo. And I really like using products like app queues, which make it so I can let somebody sign up and then walk through the product, but kind of give them a walkthrough. So I think products like AppQs make it so you can onboard people into the product and make it easier. Um, but I do think that demos hold a really, really good place. Um, but you've got to do proper qualification and proper discovery before you get there. Um, we work with a very, very large uh, SaaS product that works in the trades industry. Uh, and basically, they have a process. So when you're going through the site, and you're filling out your lead gen form and all that stuff. It qualifies you there. And if you're not well qualified, it basically tells you you're not a good fit. Um, hey, check out this this video demo. And if you are a good fit, you immediately get routed to sales. We did the same exact thing at Kissmetrics, right? Like that's been around for a long time. Yeah. So I think if you do the right qualification up front, you can set yourself up for better success. Yeah, brilliant. Well, uh, now we're going to go into the deep dive, sales deep dive. So the first question is, you know, what are some of the daily habits you do to accelerate the growth of um, Magar? Yeah. You know, I'm super, super active on LinkedIn. Um, So one of the things I try to do is monitor the leads that are coming in and also the deals that we're working. I'm constantly always trying to connect with those people on LinkedIn and as well as communicate and engage with them and build rapport. So I think that is one of the biggest things that I try to make sure that I get accomplished every single morning, check my LinkedIn, check out on my messages, because I I will bifurcate my communication. I will create a personal relationship in LinkedIn, communicating back and forth. And then I'll have my more salesy emails that I'm communicating with them and their team. So uh, LinkedIn is a huge part of uh, what we're doing. Another thing that we focus a lot of time on is getting people a copy of my book. So we're constantly looking at leads coming into the system and then saying, hey, listen, I noticed that you were coming by the site. Would love to get you a free copy of my book. 
no strings attached. Just want to make sure that you can get to the next level uh, with, with your stack. So that's another daily habit that we do a lot. And then we have a lot of signals which post to us in Slack. So as an example, as certain people do lead scoring or visit certain places on the site or use any of our free products, we're made aware of those signals in Slack. And then we, of course, follow up with those people with personalized messages. But that would be the main stuff that I try to stay on top of uh, on a daily basis. Now, this question is nearly impossible for someone like you, but what's one piece of technology that it's essential for you to, to accelerate your sales? Yeah, uh, I would definitely say it's hard to give you one, but I will say <laughs> MixMax is by far my, uh, it accelerates me to do so much. MixMax is spelled M-I-X-M-A-X. Uh, it's a Gmail and Outlook plugin, um, but it gives me superpowers in my Gmail inbox. It integrates in with Salesforce, but that by far is my 10X tool for sales efficiency and productivity. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that post because I've had um, I had a love hate relationship with Minmax, but we can uh, yeah. we can talk about that later. Uh, what about uh, your best source of leads? You talked about LinkedIn and all the great work you do there, but where else do you generate uh, leads in your business? Yeah, so we're a content marketing shop through and through. So we do a lot of blog posts and things like that. We get a lot of people who come to the site. But our biggest lead generation place is through webinars. We do a lot of partner webinars. And honestly, it's the most profitable type of... Uh, marketing campaigns that we've ever done. Uh, I been, I built the webinar program at Kissmetrics. I built the webinar program at other places. Um, webinars will drive a, a massive amount of leads and a ton of people you can talk to. And it's so much better because it's an intimate environment where people build rapport with you. Um, so webinars by far, I think, take the golden ticket from uh, lead gen that really convert and help our business. Because conferences are expensive. like, And a webinar is cheap. So I'd rather do a webinar than do a conference. Great. And the last question is a big one. I'll leave it to the end, but what's one action we can take from today to 10x our sales? Yeah, you know, get a better marketing automation platform and automate as much as you can and get sales out of all the manual work. That is the biggest failure we see is just automation is not being used in a good way. You should not be automating every email to the customer, but you should be automating as much of the backend operations for that sales rep as you can. And most people don't even scratch the surface with that. Yeah, brilliant. Great point. So uh, as you said, you've got a brilliant book called uh, Build Cool Shit. So uh, yeah, and what you can do is if you type MarTech, so you all know how to spell MarTech, to uh, 415-915-9011. That'll be in the show notes because I spoke that pretty quickly. Uh, there's a great book. So if you um, type that, you'll get a free copy in the US delivered to you. Uh, hard copy, and you'll get a digital copy if you're outside of for all those listening that aren't in the US. But uh, look, absolute blast having you on, Dan. Uh, you know, you uh, at you know you basically were the one that was at the forefront of growth hacking. You've uh, delivered so much value here. I've filled my whole page with notes. So uh, great having you on, and uh, have a great day. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, Dan was so welcoming and uh, also uh, knows so much about this topic. It was brilliant just to to go through it. And, uh, you know, he really has been uh, on the cutting edge of MarTech for so long. You can get access to his book, like he said, free access, which is brilliant. Uh, just uh, follow the links in the show notes and also on the, the blog at paulhigginsmentoring.com to, to get that. It's a build cool shit. 
Uh, also, uh, why don't you share some of what you've learned on today's podcast with Dan? He's big on LinkedIn, so you'll get some tar wins of sharing and he comments back with you. So uh, do that. And uh, also, like I said, if you want uh, the full transcript, just go to pauligansmentoring.com to get that. And, uh, you know, you may know one or, or 10 or even more peers that you that you know they'd get value from this. Why not share it with them? And they'll consider you a rock star. Check out some of our solo shows and don't forget that fr- free Slack community. It's the Cloud Consultants Collective. And just go to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash CCC. All these links are going to be in the show notes. Please take action to accelerate your sales. I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is. And don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.